Welcome to the Healthcare Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin. Digital innovation has made its way to practically every industry, and it has industry leaders both excited and wondering if it's here to stay. And that's no more prevalent than the healthcare industry, where new technology has to go through a long and rigorous process before being completely implemented. Here to tell us about digital innovations in the healthcare industry is Chandana Fitzgerald, Chief Medical Officer for HealthXL. Chandana, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for asking. And, you know, we're excited to have you on to talk a little bit more about digital health. I feel like there's so much innovation going on and so much talk around bringing new and exciting technology to the healthcare world. So, yeah, I'm really excited to get your take on it and some thoughts. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So I feel like digital health has really taken hold in the healthcare industry. And there's a lot of big talk of innovation and investments and new ideas. But I guess I want to know, have you seen that talk turn into action? Uh, What do you think the impact of digital health is on the healthcare industry? So obviously, digital was a bit late coming into the healthcare industry compared to, say, many other industries. And when it came, it was the new shiny toy. So there was a lot of a big investment going into it. But over a period of time, people saw that there were not as many outcomes for the type of money that was going into it. But that's quite classic of healthcare anyway, because it's so evidence-based. It takes quite a while from when there's the inception of an idea until it's fully uh, executed. So, but then... I I feel confident to say that digital is definitely here to stay in healthcare. It has a role in every step along the way during the, say, the patient care continuum, or even if you take a step back and look at the life sciences industry, how uh, molecules are being made for the uh, general population. So I think it's having a huge impact in all uh, segments of healthcare. I'd say on the outcomes front, it's still quite uh, slim. So we are seeing some real-world um, outcomes and evidence to prove that these digital interventions do work. But I'd say we're still a little lagging behind compared to other industries. Is the turnaround process pretty slow in the healthcare industry with new technology on like seeing a, a return on your investment, basically? Although I don't think it needs to be that way, but if you see historically the way that, say, a drug was uh, validated is for it to undergo a clinical trial, and there are so many phases for in which that happens, so there's it's quite protracted, the timelines. Similarly, just medical education itself actually takes so long. Anything that's being tried and tested in the industry has to undergo rigorous testing, so there are really protracted timelines as a result. And that is quite true for digital as well, but not necessarily because the intervention itself requires long testing times, but because there's a bit of reluctance in adoption of some of these solutions. So a lot of it is happening just in uh, pilot capacities in various centers, but the mainstream adoption of it, I think there's a bit of lag in that happening. Yeah, I feel like with healthcare, I mean, the industry in and of itself is very standardized and there's a lot to take into account. I mean, at the end of the day, you're dealing with people's lives, people's health. And so you want to make sure that the technology, you know, is a, is effective and isn't going to cause more harm than good. So I definitely understand that lag. 
And now I kind of want to bring it more towards the technology itself. I feel like there's a lot of innovative and exciting stuff out there. What would you say are some of the best examples of digital being brought into healthcare and working and actually improving on either the patient process or improving for health providers? I actually really like to view this from the patient journey because we have solutions now that intervene at every stage along the patient care continuum. So if you look at prevention, there's a whole lot of solutions. In fact, some of them in the United States that have been approved, say, by the Diabetes Association to become the default prevention program before the onset of any chronic disease uh, happens. And then let's say the patient moves on to actually developing some symptoms of a condition. There are so many new tools that help you symptom check by yourself before you actually go visit a doctor or see a doctor. So it could be AI-enabled interventions that will help you diagnose or it will highlight to you that you need to go see a practitioner because this is not something that can be taken care of in the home. Then you obviously have the automation of the whole process of uh, appointment seeking and scheduling that has been made so much uh, simpler and more streamlined. And then if you take the patient into the hospital, then there are so many new tools to triage a patient based on their symptoms. And then there's the diagnosis. So there are loads of new clinical decision support tools that help diagnose a patient to make sure that, number one, that the diagnosis is accurate, but also that they're being given the best care that's specific to them. Um, There are loads of solutions that are looking at imaging analytics or analyzing pathology uh, slides and images to make sure that you nail the diagnosis for the patient. And it's all learning from historical data, which we have a lot of, obviously, in medicine. And then let's say if we move on to the treatment, treatment is becoming more personalized. So data is being collected, one of uh, genes of the different uh, populations. We have data being collected from EMRs, patient histories, data coming in from wearables and sensors that patients are wearing. So a collection of all of this is actually enabling medicine to become more personalized and specific to each individual. So not only is a drug specific to the condition that they have, but it works uh, perfectly to fit all of their uh, measurements essentially. And then if you look at the patient, then out of hospital, there are so many solutions to make sure that the post-acute care phase is uh, smooth and that we keep the patient out of hospital and prevent readmissions. A lot of interesting remote monitoring tools, including the likes of some avatar-based kind of avatar nurses, possibly artificial intelligence-enabled chatbots where there's regular check-ins with the patient, medication reminder tools, rewarding mechanisms to make sure that patients are compliant to their treatment regimen and so on. So I think digital interventions have basically happened along the patient journey like I uh, highlighted. So let's break each one of those down because there's a lot of exciting stuff there. Let's start with prevention. So you mentioned some new technology that helps patients check their symptoms before they ever come in to see their doctor. How is that technology different than, let's say, someone just going online and typing their symptoms into WebMD and then being absolutely frightened by the results? I mean, I must say I actually really like WebMD, but having said that, these are more interactive and they're constantly learning from the conversations they have with different patients. And 
we should also assume that this solution possibly has access to all of your existing medical records and your medical history. So it's a more intelligent platform, which is learning from the inputs that you're giving. So it's not just going to take your symptom and give you a, a textbook sort of information on what you may have. And it's, it probes you further to kind of extract what all are the different symptoms you're experiencing before it makes a conclusion. But I'm not saying that this is a done deal and that all such solutions are giving you accurate diagnoses, but it's something that's being actively worked on. Right. Yeah. That idea of bringing AI to healthcare and machine learning and having that application take info from patients, either you specifically or, you know, let's say that the application starts to learn that for this specific disease or this specific condition, this is the kind of thing that we see and this is what most people have have reported when they feel this way and then it learns from that and can better assess someone's symptoms. That's exciting stuff. And so now moving on to treatment, uh, you said that wearable sensors are really helping personalize medication and making it so that not only is it specific to your condition, but it's specific to each individual. What kind of technology goes into making that possible? And are there any roadblocks with creating such personalized medicine? I'd say the wearables and sensors more so kind of pick up on your vital while you are away from the doctor or away from the hospital in between your visits. So it's picking up on things like, say, your heart rate, which is your pulse, your respiratory rate. It can say when you're anxious or when you're stressed, those types of things. I know now that there's even the advent of smarter clothing, certain sensors being embedded into your garments. There's also sensors in the home, so especially for uh, senior for the senior population to monitor their movements to make sure that nothing is out of the ordinary. So if, if let's say the person goes to their bathroom every day at 7 a.m. and this particular day, no, they did not go until say 10 a.m., the sensors that are placed in the bathroom on the doors and the sockets will alert, say, their caregiver that something is possibly wrong. So the wearables by themselves wouldn't essentially uh, personalize medicine, but it would be that in addition to all the specific data that we have about the patient, including their genetic data, as well as club with the information from the wearables and other sensors, which will ultimately determine the best type of treatment to give a particular person. The hurdles to it, actually, there's plenty. So like I said, first is adoption, be it adoption by a clinician, adoption by the patient, because there's a learning curve involved with the use of some of these things. Some people might be more traditional and reticent to using uh, newer solutions. The second thing is there's obviously always the question of accuracy of some of these, uh, say, if it's a wearable, is it accurately giving me my heart rate? Is it accurately recording my um, heart waves and ECG, essentially? So there's always the question of where's the evidence that this is real so I think that's another issue and if you look at it from the point of view of the caregiver any new solution that enhances say the patient physician relationship or that enhances the treatment experience for the patient 
it needs to seamlessly integrate into the workflow of the physician or of the nurse or whoever the caregiver is, because otherwise they're never going to use it. So there are a number of hurdles, not just in terms of efficacy of said solution, but also just in terms of how easy it is to start using it. Yeah, I mean, anytime you're bringing new technology like that, that could shake up the entire way patients are treated, there's bound to be some of those learning curve roadblocks. So now on to keeping patients out of the hospital. You mentioned virtual reality and some augmented reality of having almost like a a virtual nurse helping people keep their injuries from coming back, make sure that they are in a good rehabilitation area and that they are recovering well. How would that technology actually work? What kind of data would it be looking at and assessing? So let's just look at how this traditionally works. So when a patient, especially if it's someone serious, let's say they've had a stroke and they have then been discharged from the hospital into a hospice setting or a a milder case, probably back home, normally you'd have a nurse um, who does the follow-up calls on a regular, in regular intervals to the patient, right? To check on them, to make sure they're taking their medication. There'll be contacts with the physical therapist to make sure they're undergoing their rehab to put in a level of automation into these steps, essentially. So instead of a physical nurse calling you, you can have an avatar nurse who has been trained with the information that exists on the person's uh, electronic medical record, as well as all other physician charts, um, all their labs and radiology uh, images, etc. So all of the historical data about the patient is there, including what treatment they've been prescribed using this avatar form to call the patient essentially and check on them to make sure or send them messages, get them to check all their vitals on a regular basis. Similarly, all of the physical therapy modules can then be delivered online instead of the patient having to go to a center because that actually is one of the reasons for heavy drop-off rates because patients are just not that compliant. They're not going to travel and go to a new center weekly or bi-weekly to get these uh, treatment. So it's just so much simpler for them to use technology to access their coach online and have those modules delivered to them online. And there are some that actually even augment like the patient's movements onto the screen so that they can actually see what they're doing right and wrong. Uh, That's specific to rehab, of course. So these are the different ways in which they're trying to engage a patient at home and make sure that they're compliant to their treatment. That's really exciting technology. And it's it's great that automation is making its way into everything because it, it just helps alleviate some of those stressors that I'm sure physicians and physical and occupational therapists have to face. I mean, they have a lot of patients, they have a lot of duties. And so anything that could help relieve some of that stress and automate some of those small minutiae must make the whole process easier for everyone. 100%. I'd say uh, they'll be quicker to adopt some of these things, um, occupational therapists and physical therapists for sure, than say clinicians. Oh, that's interesting. Why Why do you think that that side of healthcare would be quicker to adopt technology? I'd say one is because you can look at it as a unit in itself. So I can just incorporate some new technology into my rehab facility, for example, which does not have to translate into changes in the rest of the hospital system. 
So it's a smaller cohort, good to experiment with or or trial something new in. And I'd say the whole online coaching or online exercising, these types of things have already existed historically, even if not necessarily in healthcare. So I think it's just a simpler one when it comes to adoption and fewer risks, really, when you think of it. So now pulling away from the specifics and looking more into the future a bit, what do you still see as some of the overall roadblocks for incorporating new technology into healthcare? And just what do you see on the horizon for digital health? I definitely think that as a clinician, you know, I was not trained in digital health at all. Everything I've learned has been through my journey in my line of work, essentially. And I'd say it's the same for most currently practicing doctors. I strongly believe that this needs to start from med school. And I know some of the universities globally are trying to incorporate some technologies into the medical education itself so that people who are graduating now can easily use these tools in their day-to-day practice and that it's not seen as something new that they need to learn or adopt. So I'd say that needs to happen to make the whole process simpler for clinicians. But in terms of adoption, there are so many challenges because at the minute, a lot of the innovation is happening in the form of innovation teams within large organizations, be it a hospital, be it a pharmaceutical company, and how we ensure that this translates to wide-scale adoption throughout that particular organization, I think there's a challenge in that to make sure that innovation is going into all the different departments or sections. That's definitely a a big challenge. And then I, I think in terms of expectations as well. So we just don't have enough results from uh, digital interventions or technologies to 100% proof. So I know that the FDA now is actually taking big steps in um, approving of solutions and putting their stamp on solutions, which I think will make the adoption a bit simpler and increase people's trust in some of the digital solutions that exist. So that's, that's a good step in the right direction. So I think we need a bit more of that. There are a lot of ongoing trials as well to test out digital interventions. So my hope is that what is now a barrier that is the lack of sufficient evidence and real world outcomes in some years from now, we will have those results, we will have those outcomes fully established. So that should then make it easier to use digital health tools and solutions. Well, hopefully in a near future, clinicians and physicians can get that training they need to integrate that technology into their daily practice and you know hopefully some of those hurdles that the industry you know puts in front of bringing technology in because like you said it is an evidence-based industry and things need to be pretty perfect before they come into the scene full force so hopefully in a near future we can overcome those roadblocks and we can see digital health really prevail in the healthcare industry Yes, I completely agree. I'm optimistic and probably a bit biased as well. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, I'd say we'd all like to see some innovations, but I see where you're coming from. Well, anyways, Chandana, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and giving us some insight on digital health in the healthcare industry. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. 
And thank you everyone for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com industries to subscribe to your favorite articles, podcasts, and original video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin. Till next time.